Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Today is Thursday. It's February the 15th. Nearly done with this week, halfway done with Black History Month. And we've got an interesting com- concept to discover here. Let's talk about Cold War. Now, I'm a child, I think, of the early Cold War, the end of the Cold War. I grew up in the 80s, and I thought I saw the end of the Cold War, but I didn't realize it, and there was no reason for me to think about it. Apparently, the political left and some people that consider themselves on the right are still in it, and maybe that is the source of some of our conflict. We had a huge huge dust up where people lost their ever loving minds because a journalist decided to fly to Russia and talk to a world leader who represents a country who is part of a country that we're not at war with. And yet they behaved like it was treacherous, like it was evil, like there was something happening that was outside all norms, even though it is something that's happened for all of real journalism. People have always gone and talked to the opposition. In fact, the opposition used to sit and talk to each other. Leaders of of nations that were even at war would sit down and speak to each other. So that's strange. We're going to talk about the Cold War. We're going to talk about a lot of these things that are being rehashed. I, I wonder if there's something to it that we just have all of these old people in power. I had an entire episode dedicated to what I call the geriocracy. I'm not sure that I created that term, but it came to me. And we've got all these folks that are stuck in a mindset that is old, that is dead, and it turns out it is incredibly dangerous because it continues to bring antiquated ideas and problems that have already been solved into today's world, and they are looking at it with a worldview that has not been updated. It has not been refreshed, as many of you have to do as you join us here on Rumble. And if you are joining us on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin, thanks so much for joining us. Make sure you give us a thumbs up. Make sure you like. If you want to follow, you can hit the follow button at the bottom of the chat window you got to get into the live chat to do that. And then there's also a subscribe button if you choose to do that. Uh, one of you asked me, how do I subscribe? You literally click follow, then you click subscribe. It throws five bucks a month into our pocket. And uh, Rumble doesn't touch a piece of it. We're really grateful for the free speech option here on Rumble. And for all of you joining us other places, you guys can always see the fun live chat. But you can always catch us on X and we're on, um, we're on YouTube and some other places as well. And for those of you on the audio, I do appreciate you guys listening to us after the fact. All right, I want to do a sponsor read for starters. Say thanks for the folks who kind of enable this podcast. And then we're going to get dig deeply into a number of different topics. We're going to start with the shooting that happened in Kansas City. Or in, um, in sorry, the, uh, the Super Bowl parade. And then we're going to move sort of down the line into this weird Cold War uh, expose and a discussion of that. So. For starters, let's say thanks to our friends at Contingency Medical. You guys can go to contingencymedical.com. Again, that is contingencymedical, all spelled out, .com. And use the promo code Kyle so that they know that we sent you. That's how you get, uh, I think it's like 10 bucks off at checkout. And for about $300, a little bit less than that, you're going to end up with a medical pack full of antibiotics, antiemetics, and antidiarrheals that are real prescriptions prescribed by a real doctor that you can really hold onto in your hand in a pouch just like mine. And you get it in advance. So you don't have to wait. You don't have to wait till you're sick or you're feeling crappy till you're feeling like you're going to vomit like my daughter was last night. I don't know if she just eats too quickly or what, but she was not feeling great. She was standing over a trash can. And that is not the time when you want to think, hey, should I make an appointment with my doctor? Should I go ahead and drive there? Or should I go to an urgent care clinic and then have to go and wait in line at a pharmacy? No, you've got it right here. The pharmacy is in your pouch. It's in your pocket. And they give you a little handy guide like you're seeing on the screen here, but you're also seeing in my pouch that tells you how to use them. You also have access to telehealth from a board-certified physician in your state. It's all on the up and up. It's all legal. But what it does is it puts the power back into your hands instead of waiting for the medical industry, which has debased itself in the last couple of years, and you get a chance to be in charge of your own medical future. You can use your HSA, folks. You can spend your own money on your own health care, and you can prepare instead of waiting to repair when you're feeling terrible. Nothing worse than that. All right, let's start right away into this situation that happened Here we go. As reported by CNN, you know, I like to start there. And this was a theoretically a uh, celebration, a parade 
I'm not a big fan of, of parades because I'm not a big fan of crowds. But what we read right here is that investigators search for what motivated the shooting. What could have motivated the shooting that left one person dead and more than 20 wounded at a Chiefs Super Bowl celebration? The good news for me about this story is now I know that the Chiefs are the one who won the Super Bowl. That's how little I pay attention. I'm sort of kidding. Um, but also, we know that they have no idea what mo what could have motivated this thing. And I saw this meme, so I just threw it up here. And once again, the suspect is not white, so we will now end coverage of this event. No, no, that's not what we're going to do here. However, CNN is reporting that they're just trying to figure out what happened. What could have what could have inspired someone to shoot at random people? Now, we saw that there were approximately three persons of interest or subjects who were running, one of whom was tackled and lost a gun in the process. Seems like a pretty good place to start. Um, what I what I find the interesting contrast for this story here. Think about how quickly we know about white supremacists who have gone into uh, into stores or have gone into malls who have pulled a trigger. And within hours, we know that they not only are white supremacists, but they have a manifesto. And all of this information is immediately available to the media like that. They, they have it out in a hurry so that we could all get riled up and angry. Why is that? And in this case, I don't know if they were Hispanic or black young men who look like they were having some sort of gang confrontation. That's kind of what our instinct is going to be. But instead, you have the FBI, you have the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives, our friends over the ATF who uh, violate the Constitution by their very existence. These people are out there investigating along with police from Kansas City. You've got the entire federal justice department out here trying to figure out what was going on. And all we're looking at is potentially the same thing that happens all the time in urban areas where young black and brown people get involved in violent physical conflicts with guns that they're not legally allowed to own. Gang affiliation, that precludes your ability to own a gun in this case because you're actively involved in criminal activity. But CNN is very quick to say that this is the second year in a row that a major U.S. sports title celebration uh, has had a shooting. Really? Because that's what's related? Those things have no, no relevance whatsoever, but that's what they want to talk about. It's also the 48th mass shooting in the United States so far this year, according to Gun Violence Archive, which is a leftist archive that basically parrots literally, as they say here, like CNN counts those in which four or more are shot. Now, are they uh, categorizing what's happening in Chicago? Are they putting that out there? Are they also concerned and worried and confused about what the motivation was? The thing that always bothers me in these is, is why is the FBI involved? Why are they there? What interstate crime do we think may have happened, even though the Kansas City has a state line road that runs right down the middle of it? What on earth does it have to do one to the other? Why is it a federal issue? There's no federal nexus there. And yet this is what they do because the FBI tries to do make work and they're they're wondering about something that they have people in their custody that should be easily, easily described. Now, the upside to this story for me is that men got involved the way that men are supposed to. And it tells me that, that we haven't completely debased masculinity in this country. It's not totally gone, folks. Men jumped up and tackled a man that was running with a gun. That's a difficult thing to do. That is an action. That is the fight reaction. That is not the flight or freeze that we talked about when we talk about sympathetic reactions. And that's good. That's inherently good to see that men are acting in the way that men have always acted to preserve their children. There was a guy that was interviewed on one of the uh, leftist news stations, and he essentially got out and just said, look, I had my three daughters with me. Somebody was yelling, tackle that dude, stop him, stop him, stop him. And so I did. And when I hit him, I hit him kind of high and the gun came out either from his hand or his sleeve and it hits the ground. Boom. Another person jumped on and held him low. And then another person jumped on and three grown men, which by the way, that's how many it takes. If someone is really trying to get away from you, even up like a strong teenager, it is so hard to hold another human being perfectly still if you don't have a lot of training and experience. And even if you do, if you don't have a perfect hit and you don't get a great grip on them, you're going to be fighting with everything you've got for as long as you can. And then the cops came in, right? The cops came in and did what they needed to do. They put the people in cuffs. And now we have a mystery on our hands, even though you have subject, gun, others involved, and a bunch of people, one, one person killed and 20 others injured. It's probably white supremacy, right? That's the that's the default position that we have in this country. It'll be really hard to see. The upside is, like I said, men stepped in. The other interesting thing that happened is a concept that many of you are familiar with that is referred to as predictive programming. 
Uh, Alex Jones made this popular. It actually goes a lot back a long farther than that. But uh, the concept of predictive programming to me is it's a little bit, it's not so much conspiratorial. It's just that this is how things happen. We say things in the world and there's a lot of things that are happening. Previously, what would happen is you might think something and then you would never know whether that thing happened or not. The upside to a high news cycle is that we get local news. Because by the way, a shooting at a parade in Kansas City, if you don't live in Kansas City, that is not a national story per se. It's local news. And historically, it was known as local news. Local news has become national because we are constantly in this need, this desire, this draw, this pump, like sort of like a pump that's uh, that's not underwater and it's just sucking down, trying to get the most amount out of everything. It's constantly turning local news stories into national news stories because one, they have a narrative that they're trying to drive. And two, more importantly, um, they're trying to fill up airtime. They're not doing a one hour show the way that we jump in the morning and go and grab. I've got I've got a thousand shows or stories that I could talk about. The difference is that they are trying to fill 24 hours of news coverage. And that's a relatively new concept. That's in the last 20 years. And the idea that you would fill all that with a news cycle and that there are more than one channel doing it, like there's a dozen now, right? All these people are constantly sucking at the, uh, you know, at the straw pretty aggressively all across the country trying to turn these local stories into national stories. There's nothing national about a couple of kids getting into a, uh, a confrontation and shooting people. It's tragic. It is awful. There's no question about that. I don't mean to downplay it. But it doesn't make it national news because it doesn't affect you. It's not a possibility that that violence that happened in Kansas City is going to spill into where you live in Dallas or in New York City. You've got other problems, and they're also local problems. Um, but predictive programming is the idea that essentially the media or the entertainment industry telegraphs what is coming to normalize it for you, and then it comes up. And so this is one of the questions that was popped up. Uh, this is the Brady a campaign, a Brady buzz is their, is their handle, but Brady campaign to unite against gun violence, which of course gun violence is not a real thing. Anybody who knows anything about guns knows that it's an inanimate machine. It's just a device that sits either, you know, like in your little safe here, like I've got under my desk or in your closet or in your nightstand drawer, wherever you keep your weapons. They don't do anything without the, they don't have any animus. A firearm has no motive, which is quite interesting because what you're seeing on the screen right here is the uh, the chief of police saying, we don't have a motive, but we're asking all those who have potentially any kind of information or are witnesses or have video to contact the police. They've got plenty of information to solve this crime. Like I said, they got the people in custody that were involved in it. It's pretty easy to go ahead and spill that out. And there were lots of people there. However, what we are seeing is Travis Kelsey, who uh, apparently is dating someone called Taylor Swift, which I guess is not a man. It's not a fast running man. It's not Usain Bolt. It's actually a female pop singer of some kind. Go figure. Who knew? And uh, he's making this quotation, which was probably fed to him. He said, we need to have more strict gun laws, especially when toddlers are dying. We can't have that in our communities. I think the answer is not that at all. Now, the predictive programming argument was this came out on February 11th. The shooting obviously happens yesterday. So is he predicting it? No, the gun violence people, the 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 every towns and the Brady campaign, like they do this all the time. This is that this is what they do for a living. They literally are out there on a regular basis trying to whip up support for nonsense, for anger and animosity and blaming of an inanimate objects. It'd be the equivalent of mothers against drunk driving, basically angry at car manufacturers and yelling about how cars need to be banned because people are driving drunk. It's absurd. You know, it's the pencils against misspellings. It's the spoons against fat people who are eating too much ice cream. It's all this nonsense. You're, you're going at the inanimate object and not the person that actually has agency. And it is something that the political left loves to do. Pull agency from a group of people and act like they had no ability to stop it. I don't see a huge push to say that we have 2,200 gun laws or 29,000 gun laws or whatever the number is. I, I've seen it a couple times and it's like thousands, if not tens of thousands of gun laws in this country. How about there are already laws against shooting people with your gun in a parade? It's pretty clear to that. We don't need the FBI to go out there and investigate what's happening. When somebody chooses to break the law, they've already run through a number of different stop signs. And this is just the last one that results in like a human cost. But it doesn't mean they're not doing it all the time. What other kind of crazy things are they doing? What are the kinds of laws are they breaking? Are they involved in drugs or alcohol or racketeering, et cetera, et cetera? Like a lot of these things already exist. We don't need new laws. And then it's also really weird for a guy who's not a parent from what everything I can gather. It doesn't seem like uh, Travis Kelsey is a, is a parent. And so he's and he's not married. He's dating somebody for that person to try to tell a real parent like the guy who tackled 
the bad guy. I didn't see the football players that were involved in uh, in the Super Bowl celebration tackling the bad guys, even though that's what they do for a living. They tackle people. No, it was dads that stepped up, as it should be. And so maybe maybe Travis Kelsey can just leave this one on the field. Maybe this is not the place you need to get involved in. If you haven't raised a toddler, toddler successful or multiple toddlers successfully and protected them through their life from all the things. By the way, guns is like the lowest. It's the lowest threat that I worry about for my two-year-old. It's not even close. Gun violence threats? No, I just don't take my kid where there's going to be that. And the odd possibility that it happens, I'm prepared to fight about it. Physically. I'm, I'm prepared to get in front of that. That's why I carry a weapon. That's why I've trained. That's why I spend money on it. And if you're not going to do that, like, you know, maybe keep yourself out of it. Maybe this is not, maybe this is not the hill that you are uh, capable of really getting involved in. Okay, I want to go to another topic here. It's a complete pivot, but we are going to get deeply into this this uh, civil war, I'm sorry, this Cold War situation. And this is the beginning of it. If you guys will just bear with me, it's going to be kind of a little journey through it. This came out, and you guys may have seen it if you're following on social media. This is the story from yesterday. And uh, they're, they're even updating it for today. The House Intel chair issued a cryptic warning about serious national security threats prompting officials to urge calm. Well, here's a, here's a funny thing. You ever get people riled up and then tell them, you know, calm down? Because <laughs> that's what we're talking about right here. We're talking about the head of the House Intel Committee disclosing on Wednesday that members of Congress had access to information um, of an unspecified serious threat to national security. I had someone reach out to me and I'm actually going to quote my phone, which I, don't, I rarely do. I want to pull this thing up because it was one of the funnier, funnier little moments that I had. Uh, one of my friends from Catholic Vote reached out and said, uh, what do you what do you think about this? Um, <laughs> because there's there's a Russia nuke in space. Is that what's happening? And, and here was my response. Are you ready? I said, it's really, really important, but we can't talk about it because it's classified. But don't be worried because we're telling you about it. So you don't have to know anything about it. But you know that we know and we're aware that you don't know. This is this is the circle of of fear mongering of scare tactics, of amygdala porn that even our government is involved in. And of course, the media is 100% complicit in sharing as well. Okay? A serious national security threat. As you read here in the article, a vague warning though. What is the warning of? We don't know. The revelation, uh, calling it a revelation is insulting to those of us who know what a revelation looks like. Mike Turner, Ohio Republican, chairman of the House Intelligence Panel, comes up with this cryptic statement. He said it's been made available to all members of Congress, and then nobody's going to talk about it. Quite interestingly, he said, I'm requesting that President Biden declassify all information related to this threat so that Congress, the administration, and our allies can openly discuss the actions necessary to respond to the threat. The threat, the threat, the threat. Is it scary enough? Are you scared? Are you concerned? I guess you should be. How about this little take on it? Because this is where it all meets the, the road for me. This is a tweet from Senator Mike Lee from Utah. He said, I'm very interested to learn about this threat. Now, we were just told that all members of Congress um, had this information available to them. How come Mike Lee doesn't have it available to him? He said, also very interesting to know why the spy guys are raising mysterious alarms right before we're about to do reform on the illegal domestic surveillance apparatus under FISA. Does that, does that frame this a little bit differently? Do you guys remember FISA? You remember how they didn't want to handle it in December and they thought, well, it's Christmas and we don't want to do any more work for the year. So let's shut this thing down. Let's kick FISA down the line because we'd rather not handle it. Why do they not want to handle it? Because it is a non-winner. It is a bipartisan, there's bipartisan support to say that FISA is dangerous, illegal, and it is anti-American. Looks like Sony T in our chat just threw a bunch of the uh, suspendables flags. It's uh, the American flag upside down with the S in it. It's the American flag under duress. FISA is something that the old Soviets would have had a wet dream over, particularly the way that we use it. Because if you read the plain text, when you when you see sort of the uh, the posturing that goes on discussing this, you know, we're, we're talking about FISA now, aren't we? FISA, that's the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. It's foreign, right? Is that what it means? And then why is foreign intelligence involving Americans? Because it's not. It's just a, it's a, it's a catch-all term. Because 702 allows for multiple hops. Hops are 
um, nodes. These are dots that can be connected. And it allows you to collect on people who are related to the investigation. But remember, as I've said here, and it should be pounded into your brain, the American people have this misunderstanding that our groups like the FBI and that FISA information comes from the NSA, okay? That's the collection arm and the FBI is the operational arm. When we talk about intelligence, we are not talking about criminal activity. You are thinking criminal activity because you have an old concept of the FBI. Some of you do. But the FBI is not primarily involved in that. It's probably 60-40, maybe 70-30 split. They are now more interested in intelligence. And intelligence is part of the same kind of language. Vague threats, the threat landscape. They're looking in and they are pre-criming out, but there's no crime required. It's just the possibility that something could be a threat to the homeland, to the country, to national security, to these vague nebulous concepts that aren't real. They're trying to let you know that they are going to try to move the ball. Um, somebody sent me a little thing about the, the Kansas City shuffle. You guys recall that? There's like, like there's this great little Bruce Willis uh, meme and it's uh, it, it comes from a movie and which escapes me at the moment. Bruce Willis is sitting there and he says, Kansas just shuffles when everyone's looking left and you go right. That's what they're trying to pull on this right now. A, a classic, a classic misdirection. Everybody's paying attention to this vague threat. And then also, can we sneak by the FISA thing? And by the way, the FISA is its own Kansas City shuffle. It's a hustle. It's saying, we're really worried about intelligence and threats. And you're thinking, oh, like criminal threats, right? And they're thinking like, no, like Americans that we can spy on and we can get away with it because you don't know what we do. And by the way, we're not going to answer those questions directly. There should be, and there is, somebody just said it, uh, Lucky Number 11. Great movie, actually, by the way. Uh, Lucy Liu's pretty charming in there, too. Yeah, they'd love, they would absolutely love for you to not understand what they're doing, to just trust me, bro, and let them continue doing spying on Americans using this, this illegal tool. And when I say illegal, I mean, it, like, it's literally illegal to spy on Americans and they are using it in that way. Why? Because the only way that tool is successfully used is to identify people in the United States that they can actually do action on. Do you think the, uh, the, the FBI enjoys doing these sort of feckless, feckless warrants and investigations of the people that will never come to the United States? Like, it's utterly unsatisfying. You can't do anything about it. Oh, you're investigating a Chinese spy in China. Oh, you're dealing with a Russian intelligence operative who's staying in Russia. Does the, the claw, does the long arm of American justice reach out there and grab them? No, absolutely not. Has no ability to do that. And yet, they're more than happy to sort of pontificate on this thing. They're willing to push it. And so, as I said, this is a kick down the road. What does it look like? House Republicans punt on 702 renewal again. This is coming from The Record, which is recorded future news. That's actually kind of funny. It's uh, therecord.media. Uh, but they've got some pretty good, I, I went and, and and checked on what they're actually making claims of. An abrupt decision by the House Rules Committee um, was holding a hearing on whether or not they were going to put the bill forward to renew 702. 702 is the warrantless version of the FISA. There is a warranted version of the FISA. It's an ex parte hearing in front of the FISC, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. But 702 FISA is done without that. It's approved by like an FBI, you know, field office. Some senior executive, man or woman, gets out to do that. And they just they just voted uh, to not do it. The vote was, is we'll deal with this tomorrow. Somebody said um, procrastination is waking up and deciding that your first move of the morning is to not make a move. And that's what this is. That's what Congress loves to do. They love to kick it along. There's too many people paying attention. We need to drum up some fear. We need to get that Russian space missiles. My buddy who's, a, who's an FBI agent actually sent me a, um, a picture of, of a Chinese communist satellite. And uh, and it was a, it was like some kind of a funny meme. And his comment to me was, I've got it on pretty good information from my source named Boris that the GoldenEye program, codenamed GoldenEye, Russian Russian um, EMP, is, uh, is ready to deploy and could be used against the Americans. That's why we need more 702, right? By the way, getting a warrant would not be that hard, but the problem is, is that there's no, there's no probable cause. You, this is, this is the funny argument. When, when members of Congress are like, well, why don't you just go get a warrant? The reason they can't get a warrant is because there's no crime involved. And yes, for those of you who got it, that was a golden eye, a golden eye reference to James Bond. The, the silliness is this, like these are old threats. And that's what I keep seeing, recycled old threats, strange things that keep popping up. And uh, it's just like, a, it's a, it's like they, they've run out of new scary things. So they just bring them back in new ways. I'm going to show you a really, really good example of that in one second. First, I'm going to say thanks to my buddies over at For Patriots. So guys, you can go again, 
Prepare or repair. That is the theme of this show in so many ways. The number four, patriots.com slash Kyle. Again, four patriots, the number four, patriots.com slash Kyle. If you want to follow him on, on uh, Twitter X, it is four patriots LLC at four patriots LLC. Yeah, you go there and what do you do? You go ahead and figure out that you need to have in an emergency communications, you need calories, and you need some breathing room so that you can make a good decision like those dads did in Kansas City. To, to make a, a positive action, to not just freeze in place and go, oh my God, and not to be pushed into an action like I better run to a grocery store and stand in a line and be a victim of whatever's coming because there's always going to be bad people. And you want to be the person standing in the line, going out and spending whatever you have, your last of your hard-earned dollars in a grocery store line, stepping out and then finding that there's just like a band of hoodlums that are going to take it from you. No, you should rather be at home. You should be at home with your stuff because you prepared and you pre-staged food and water and all of the uh, things that you needed for your comms, your, your electrical devices, you can do that at 4patriots.com slash Kyle. Again, the number 4patriots.com slash Kyle, or use the promo code Kyle at checkout. That They change their deals like basically every couple of days. So you guys want to check into that, see what you're missing out on. You can visit it regularly and let them know we sent you. We appreciate it. All right. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you some recycled threats. You guys want to see the recycled threats? We did actually have some of the video of the chaos. I don't know if it's worth showing of the uh, of what was happening, but um, here, let me just show you. This is a little video of the chaos. This is what happens in a in a shooting. Speaking of of insanity, this is the thing that you should mentally be watching, not because you're really interested in seeing the police tactics here. What you need to see is that when people freeze, they are not going to be able to solve the threat. And a lot of people instinctively do that. This is people moving positively towards the sound of gunfire. Actually, the, the Kansas City police and those that were on scene right then, good on them. Because what you'll see is that folks did the right thing at the right time. They actually moved to the threat. And that's why the shooter was actually flushed out. This is a positive action in many ways. It should be celebrated as positive law enforcement work. They got the person into custody all like right there. That doesn't always happen either. How many times have we seen active shooter and then nobody knows where the person went? They disappear and there's a manhunt. Much scarier. This is better. All right, so a little taste of what happened in uh, Kansas City. I show it to you only because mentally put these sort of pictures in your brain so that if you see that scene, your result is action. Whether it's moving your family and getting out of there, that's a that's a reasonable move. Whether it's fighting somebody that's involved that has a gun and you've decided that you're the person that's going to go out there and do it. One of the, like, choose fight or flight. Either one is good, honestly, depending on your situation, your age, who's with you, etc. Freeze is not. All right. Let's take a peek at this. Do you hear that at the end? The FBI is here. Yeah, there were members of FBI SWAT that was there. Why? Because they were probably on standby for this sort of thing because they they prepare them to have a potential response. And so they were probably sitting on bags or they had a Bearcat nearby. Yeah, everybody ran in. Did you see some people that were wearing like Chiefs jerseys that had backpacks on, plain clothes? This is why the January 6th narrative is not as good debunked by saying that there are people that were plain clothes in the crowd. There's a really good reason to have law enforcement in plain clothes moving around in a crowd. And the reason you do it is specifically that you can protect people's First Amendment activities. That, by the way, that team, if I'm not mistaken, is the team that Garrett O'Boyle used to be on. He may even recognize those faces. So we'll talk to him about it. And uh, maybe we'll get him on either tomorrow or we'll get him on next week to discuss some of this stuff. There is a there is an actual purpose. I don't think federal law enforcement has any business being involved in that, by the way. But local law enforcement, sure. When you're when you're busy trying to um, to make yourself relevant, then you end up doing some of this kind of stuff. All right. So. We just talked about some of this 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 threat and the idea that they're they're recycling a, a cold war. I'm going to bring you another piece here. This is um, this is Eric Schmidt. So he was the attorney general from that state, actually from Missouri, that brought Missouri v. Biden. That's been standing up. He seems like a really good guy, and he's calling out something this sort of permanent Washington attitude. And I'm wondering if this comes as a relic of the Cold War. I'm going to play this little video, and then we're going to dig into a recycled threat, and then we'll get Cold War stuff. You ready? Here we go. And the working folks back home that feel left behind by this town and their ridiculous priorities and being $34 trillion in debt and shipping jobs overseas, they see it. It's a total disconnect 
And I, for one, am going to stand with them. I'm going to stand with those people, my people, the folks back home, and against permanent Washington that, come hell or high water, want to send a disconnected package with billions to Ukraine. And nothing, nothing for the American people. There's nothing for the American people. You want to send billions to Ukraine. Why is this attitude that we need to fund wars, that we need to put all this money out there, that we need to just keep and continue uh, sort of pressing this? Like I said, I think it's a recycling of this Cold War mentality. Here's something kind of fun. Now, this is a, a recycled idea that comes from the end of the Cold War, or what should have been the end of it. But I, I was blown away. This is from CBS. It's a crazy story. Apparently, one in four Americans today are breathing unhealthy air. And it's because of climate change and it's getting worse. Now, my lens on history is shaped by the way that I grew up. I was a kid in the 80s. I was a teenager in the 90s. And I'm thinking, I feel like I've heard this before. I feel like unhealthy air was a thing that we dealt with and it went away. I'm going to read a little bit of the CBS story, and then we're going to get deeper into it. And I'm going to go back into history for you. Uh, much of the U.S. Northeast, this is the uh, New York area now, as the pictures they're showing, was smothered last summer by dense smoke from Canadian wildfires. And it's leading to New York's worst air quality since the 1960s. Interesting. 1960s, right at the height of the Cold War. Now, such episodes, mostly isolated incidents. Let me just say that again. Once again, mostly isolated incidents are increasingly common. Wait, how are they common and also isolated incidents? That doesn't make any sense. Due to the impact of climate change, new research shows that is looking for climate change. <laughs> I added the last part there. 83 million Americans, or one in four, are already exposed to air quality that is categorized as unhealthy. Air quality that is unhealthy. That is the air quality index, or the AQI, a number that could grow to 125 million people. Hold on, I think we have a... Um... People need kidneys, it's sad but decreed, yet the senator's hoarding one more than she needs. I offer this bill and I hope you'll vote aye, unless of course you just want people to die. I try yeah, do you want people to die? The nation's worsening air quality comes after decades of improvements thanks to regulations like the 1970 Clean Air Act, which tightened down rules on pollutants and emitted uh, factories and cars, automobiles, and then the recent rise in poor audio quality. Sorry, the recent rise in poor air quality could be harder to battle because it's linked to global warming. Okay, so that's 1970 Clean Air Act, tightening rules on pollutants and factories and automobiles, and they solved it. I mean, now it's harder. Why is it harder? It's harder because climate change. All right, gotcha. I'm tracking. I'm on board with what they are saying. So the problem was human beings doing something, and then they passed a law, and the law was federal control of how the air comes out, giving the federal government authorities on all emissions, and that was able to, uh, you know, sort of slowly stop the problem. And now we need to have a federal law of some kind to stop human activities because of weather. Oh, that's not the one. Look at this one. You ready? This is a story from 1990, November of 1990. Interestingly, it's one year after the Berlin Wall fell. And what they said was you can now breathe easier. This is from the LA Times. You can now breathe easier. Smog in the last six months in the Los Angeles basin has been the cleanest since 1955, since they recorded it. Well, that's amazing. It's incredible. Uh, there are officials, government officials, that are going to tell you that the air quality has improved substantially over the last decade, in large part due to greater controls on car exhaust and industrial emissions. When you compare it with the past, it's like night and day said a guy who's part of this this uh, organization called AQMD. And I've got to go pull the acronym out on that because I, I got lazy and I didn't actually do that. It is known as the Air Quality Management District of the South Coast. I have no idea what that means. Okay. They're really concerned because so many people in the San Gabriel Valley and the Los Angeles Basin were dealing with really high levels of smog. Now, anybody who lived in that area, which I did at that time, can remember that there would be brown and hazy days. There were days where you couldn't see the mountains. And then suddenly, you've got the mayor of Glendale saying, it's amazing. We've done it. There's no question. I go out from my house most more days now, and I say, aren't the mountains beautiful, says Glendora Mayor Bob Kuhn. I used to go out and say, where are the mountains? But now I see them, and they're beautiful. All right, wonderful. Quite interesting. Second thing, 
that's written at the bottom of this article, but they didn't really want to do. Um, <laughs> you had the same guy, this guy, Joe Casamassi, saying that it's basically because of greater controls on car exhaust and industrial emissions, but then also saying that in the last year, the climate has actually made it better. Why is the climate making it better? Um, most of the day's improvements are based on weather conditions. He's also, he's a senior meteorologist, so I don't think he studies necessarily the air quality coming from car exhaust and industrial emissions, but representing this, this interesting group, you have two conflicting things even in the 1990s. Number one, give us more government control and we will save the air that you breathe. You know that thing that you can't live without? And then the second piece of it is, is actually you just had some low pressure systems come in and they pushed out some of the air that was bad. And so now we have better and cleaner air and that's why you can see the mountains. Okay. Well, which one is it? It's a fear. It's a fear tactic being pushed, aggressively pushed. It's quite interesting to me that if they had the same problem, like I said, the first one was man-made activities of, of industri uh, industry and driving and all these kind of things. We have to control it. It's Cloward Piven, isn't it? But they can't flood the zone when it comes to air quality. They have to just scare you into it so that you think that you're going to act. They're going to act on your behalf. And who is the best agency to work? I mean, air is everywhere. It's across the entire country, is it not? So we need to get that air better, even though the United States continues to reduce emissions and we have the lowest emissions that we've ever had. And of course, everything here continues to trend in a good direction, better with the small exception, I guess, the small exception, that uh, we just can't we just can't breathe. Now, here's another thing that we need more control over. Another old person in charge. Another article from CBS. What does this one say? After searing inflation, American workers are finally getting ahead. That actually scares the crap out of me. Janet Yellen, you remember the one who told you that basically workers are doing great? They're starting businesses? You know, probably because they lost their jobs and they had to start a business because there was no way that they, can, they could actually go get another job. They had to figure out how to do it on their own. Yeah, here's this, uh, here's this wonderful report saying that the American workers are now getting ahead. I don't know. Whenever Janet Yellen says something, I basically put my money on the opposite. Why? Because she's a political hack. Because she's not she's not dealing with the same problems that I am or that you are. She says, uh, now their pay is growing faster than inflation. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how it works, actually. When the dollars are worth less, then they can pay you more. That's how we had that whole story about the $50 an hour minimum wage. We know that Americans are experiencing uh, discomfort because the important prices are higher than they were in the pre-pandemic. But what's really important is that wages have gone up along with the prices, so people are better off than they were pre-pandemic. That's not how it works. So what happens is, is the prices go up. It takes a while for wages to kind of catch up. And when they do, you're not better off. Everything just is crappier. You get more money and you get less stuff out of it. That's how inflation works. It devalued your dollar and it increased the prices. Your buying power decreases. She's being fundamentally disingenuous. I don't think she's dumb either, by the way. I think she's just a liar. Inflation has rapidly cooled since then. <laughs> After it hit a 40-year high of 9.1% in a month in June of 2022, squeezing millions of households whose incomes failed to keep pace. Yeah, that's that's what we're talking about here. Uh, thanks in large part to a series of interest rate hikes in March 2022, aimed at dampening consumer spending and slowing economic growth. They now say that the economy is on solid ground. That's what the experts say. Uh, I think that's the panic button for some of us. That's the actual fear is when the experts tell us it's going to be fine. As of the end of 2023, the typical U.S. worker could afford the same goods and services as they could in 2019. Right, but they're in a flipping hole, which is what that whole credit card debt situation was about that we talked about the other day. And they also had an additional $1,400 to spend or save per year. Oh, $1,400. Guys, hold on to your hats. $1,400, you're good to go. Uh, partially because wages are now outrunning inflation with currently hourly earnings jumping 4.5% in January compared with the annualized inflation rate of 3.1. None of us believe this. None of us can live by this. But it sounds really good. It makes for a good talking point in an election year. I guess that's the move, is that you just push this forward. See if it takes. Doesn't seem reasonable to me. Um, we're going to get into the Cold War stuff. First, I want to say thanks to my buddies over at Patriot Coolers. And then we're going to do the uh, the Cold War, this whole thing, because basically Putin came out and said that he would prefer to have a Joe Biden as president to Trump. That should tip the hat. Well, all these Putin haters, they should be Trump lovers based on this. Uh, before we get there, let's start off and say thanks to my buddies at Patriot Coolers. You guys know how to get there. It's patriotcoolers.com. There's the Seraphim family minivan loaded with groceries. And you can use promo code Kyle, K-Y-L-E, at patriotcoolers.com to save 10%. 
anytime you look into it. This is the 16 ounce. You can see it's kind of like more robust in my hand. It's kind of thicker. Uh, for whatever reason, the 19 ounce looks smaller by quite a bit. It's taller and slimmer and it holds uh, your, your fluids at a much better temperature, even than the Yeti that we had that I inherited or may have walked off with from an FBI office. PatriotCoolers.com, promo code Kyle, K-Y-L-E, four little letters, saving you 10%. If you guys are in the market for a new cooler, get one for you, get one for someone you love. They've also got hats that say Patriot on it too. They've got like a real tree if you need a, a hunting hat or something. If you need to add something on there to get to that $50 shipping, that'll get you shipping for free, 50 bucks or more. Free shipping always at PatriotCoolers.com. Or you can follow them on social media at Patriot Coolers. They're on True Social, they're on X, and uh, they're really good people. Texas people. We appreciate them. Thanks so much for being our sponsor. And uh, they've really been with us for coming up on a year now. So that's pretty awesome. Neat to have people stick around with you and believe in the program that we're doing. All right, y'all. Are you ready for this? Here we go. This is Putin claiming Donald Trump is less desirable. You remember all the, uh, the, the rumblings? All the rumblings asking to, uh, you know, to get rid of Trump that he was a puppet. Okay. Trump says that Putin's comment that he prefers a Biden presidency over a Trump is a great compliment. Uh, Putin is also quoted saying, we'll work with any U.S. leader whom the American people trust. So former President Donald Trump is reacting to Vladimir Putin, basically saying that he prefers a Biden presidency because Biden is more experienced, more predictable. And uh, Trump said that's a great compliment. Here he is. He's in, at a rally in North Carolina. I'm sorry, in North Charleston in South Carolina. He said... Uh, President Putin of Russia just gave me a great compliment, actually. He just said he'd much rather have a Joe Biden presidency. It's a compliment. A lot of people say, ooh, it's bad. No, it's a good thing. And of course he would say that. Um, a, an unpredictable U.S. president is actually better. And maybe someone who breaks the damn status quo. Wouldn't that be the way to go? Wouldn't that be the thing that you would want if you were one of these uh, never Putin and Putin is the most evil person in the world? Wouldn't you prefer to have someone that he can't predict? Also, his track record on Putin is actually quite good. We didn't see invasions. We did see them under Barack Obama. We've seen them under Joe Biden, the so-called third term of Obama. Kind of interesting. Where is all this coming from? And it made me start digging out. I typed in the Cold War is not over. And this is what I came up with. I came up with this article from The Atlantic. Now, The Atlantic is a left-wing source, no doubt about it. Um, and some of them are, this is from David Frum. Could go into that another time. This is from August of 2018. 15. So pre, pre-Trump presidency, the Cold War never really ended for the first time in a decade. Russia spent a higher portion of its GDP on defense than the U.S. in 2013. When was 2013? That was just as Obama came in for his second term. Quite interesting. So for those who lived it, the night of November 9th, 1989, seemed to mark a new epoch in human history. The Berlin Wall was suddenly undefended in a single delirious moment that promised the end of the Cold War's division of Europe. Two years later, the Soviet Union would be dissolved and elected leaders would govern Russia for the first time since the country's brief democratic experiment in 1917. Europe, whole and free, seemed more than a far-off aspiration. It actually seemed like a work in the making. Yeah, it did, didn't it? And... We have a little video footage just to see the elation that happened. It's good to remember this stuff. I have actually two sort of, one is a song from that time period. But uh, here is the actual video of the wall coming down, or at least people starting to chip away at it. And it represented a significant hope. I was a kid at the time. Some of you guys remember this a lot, a lot bigger. Um, but I think that a lot of people in our power structure have never actually given in to the idea that this could be real. And it looks pretty real. Germans there that are chipping away at the wall with pickaxes and hammers and chisels, and they're just trying to take this thing down. And 
What's interesting is we had Mike Waller on the show the other day, and he talked about this being on the other side at that time, and that the the Russians, Soviets, they kind of went like, yeah, like we concede. What's interesting is that in, in all of sort of Western history, which is why we continue to have this divide between East and West when we talk about Russia, like Russia is one of those, they're not really the East, they're the Near East, I guess, but we always, they're not thought of as being Western, even though we probably have a lot more in common with them culturally than some of the others. It's very interesting to me that other dangerous and, uh, and aggressive regimes have been received. Uh, think about Think about Germany. Germany was easily welcomed back into the community of nations, even though some of the things that happened in, in, in early 20th century were incredibly devastating. And yet they were allowed back in. The Russians were not, though, and the Russians were our allies at that time. And then we have this whole Soviet period. And even though the Soviet Union eventually ends and sort of concedes, nobody gives up on it in the political establishment. We talk about a uniparty, and we've, I've, used the word, I've heard the word neocon used a lot lately. We're talking about a Nikki Haley type attitude that everybody must be conquered. And um, Colonel Douglas McGregor actually did one of the better versions of kind of characterizing this and breaking it down. So I'm going to play this. This is from uh, this is from a Tucker Carlson interview he did talking about Victoria Newland. And I think it actually explains something. And we're going to do a little bit about what neocon means and what it's about and why. And, uh, and I think it, it, it actually does tell us that the Cold War didn't end simply because the, the people that were in charge couldn't allow it to end because they couldn't grasp it because they're dealing with not just American policy. They're dealing with family grievances. And uh, there's some fair amount of there's some fair amount of connections there that, that lead me to believe that he's probably correct. So let me just jump into this little quick little clip from uh, Colonel McGregor here. Who is Victoria Newland? Oh, goodness gracious. All these hard questions. Right up <laughs> I, I do not know Victoria Newland personally. I, I know Fred Kagan and his brother Bob is married to her. And she's a long-term uh, committed neocon. Uh, this is someone I would not characterize as either Democrat or Republic. These are people with this agenda. And the agenda says until the entire world is garrisoned by U.S. forces and is converted forcibly to some form of democracy that we approve of, uh, the world will not be safe and we must continue to fight. And I think in the, in the case of Russia, Russia has special appeal because I think these people have ancestors who came from that region of the world and have a permanent axe to grind with the Russians, uh, which of course I don't. I don't think most Americans do, and nor do I think anybody in government should shape policy based on whatever unhappiness their ancestors, you know, experienced in, in a place like Russia. So I, I, that's, a, that's a nutshell, but I think that's enough. And wherever she goes, uh, usually there is conflict, crisis, and fighting. It's a really, really salient point. Wherever these people go. Now, Victoria Newland is in the Biden administration, right? She was part of Obama, Obama's administration. And so you hear these, these folks sort of putting on banners. So how do you end up with someone that is a neocon, a neoconservative that is operating under the Democrats party? It, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense on its face. And yet we've got, I've got these, these little quick articles, these little pieces about these characters, because <laughs> I can't help it. So we've got Victoria Newland. She was a uh, undersecretary of state, political affairs, American diplomat in the foreign service serving under Biden, served under Obama. And then he says he doesn't know her personally, but knew Robert Kagan, uh, Robert Kagan's brother, Fred, rather. So we've got Bob Kagan. So then you go, okay, well, how do they have a household that is uh, an American neoconservative scholar and a woman who's serving in the Democrat Party? Quite interesting. Uh, we've got Bob Kagan listed here, political affiliation prior to Donald Trump was a Republican, allegedly. And then after he's now an independent, which is to say probably Democrat in this case. Very strange. Uh, he's also the co-founder of a neoconservative project. He's a senior fellow at Brookings. I've heard people say that Brookings, in fact, was a um, was a right wing think tank that doesn't seem to be very reasonable. You've got you've got folks that are basically grinding this strange act. So you had to deal in. I, I started looking. I was like, I don't understand how neoconservative could actually be something that 
that aligns with people on the political left. It didn't make sense to me. So I just kept looking around and poking at it. And so let's kind of talk about some of these characters. So neoconservative or neocon is a movement that was popularized in 1973 by a socialist leader named Michael Harrington. This is coming right out of Wikipedia, so left-wing sources. And apparently it was used in an Irving Kristol article in 1979, Confessions of a True Self-Confessed Neoconservative. So I threw up some of their backgrounds on there. Crystal, by the way, father of Bill Crystal, who I threw on the screen as well, just for, for shits and grins, who started his life off as a Democrat and then uh, a Republican and then not a Republican, <laughs> allegedly. So how do you get these people? How do you get these people to align? And this is what Uniparty looks like. The Uniparty and the neocon is, is synonymous. I think that there's no question about it after kind of lining up the way that their ideologies work. And it's also interesting to me that they all tend to be Northeasterners, which is to say like New York area. They all go to Ivy type schools or Ivy adjacent schools, sort of old guard American education, intelligent, intellectual. But the other piece of it is they're also all tied to Eastern Europe. They all have Eastern European ancestors. This is Irving Kristol. It says he was born in Brooklyn to non-observant Jewish immigrants from Eastern Europe. And they had an axe to grind against the Soviets, right? But he was also a member of the, of the Young People's Socialist League when he was a kid. They had vocal support for, um, he became part of the, the New York intellectuals. Anyway, when you start adding these things together, you realize that a lot of these people's sort of worldview is shaped by a world that doesn't exist anymore. And they're still fighting it. And so I think McGregor's concept of that wherever they go, conflict follows because their, their goal simply is to make sure that whatever their definition of like an acceptable democracy equals, which which seems like what we're trying to always export, right? We're always trying to export this bizarre um, concept of American democracy, but we're not exporting the American Republic. And these are not things that are necessarily, uh, it's not fertile ground that we're sending it off to. But until you do get every single country in the world to basically agree that we're correct in our system of government, then we're going to fight them. <laughs> There's so many jokes about this in the military, by the way. There's so many jokes among the enlisted. Like the whole, like, we're going to free the shit out of you people by killing you. <laughs> that concept is, is in a nutshell what we're talking about with these folks. The neocon movement, the neoconservative, is not conservative at all. We, we sort of know that instinctively. That's why we kind of use it as a derogatory term. But the overlap there that I had, I'd never really seen it, and I'd never really noticed how... All of these people have roots in Eastern Europe, and all these people are grinding an axe against something that doesn't exist anymore. And that even if Russia did turn over a new leaf, which it certainly could have, they certainly could have turned over that new leaf, and we could have accepted in the community of nations. I mean, there's a real possibility that what uh, Putin is saying is honest in that Tucker Carlson interview, that he literally did approach because it would be better for Russia for them to be part of it. They, like, they don't need the problem. They don't need the conflict. They don't need to set themselves up as good guy, bad guy against the United States, but we sure seem to. We sure seem to need a boogeyman, which is why anybody that I know that worked on the CI threat, the counterintelligence threat for the FBI, working against the Russians, basically said they've got all the vestiges of the Cold War. They've got the apparatus of hacking and military and so on. They've got all the spying apparatus and all the capabilities, the technical capabilities. But as a country, GDP alone, Russia punches way above its weight in order to sort of fight against something like the United States. Like just on base right now, we have twice the population. They have a huge landmass. They're mostly a rural country. They have incredible natural resources, but it's mostly untamed. It's a huge space. And the United States is kind of like, not that. We have a much bigger population and we have a much more developed and industrial base. And we don't need that enemy, I wouldn't think. Our enemy, if we were going to look at it geopolitically, should be China. But we sort of like tied our fortune to them. So we need an old we need an old foe to worry people, to get people riled up. We need Russian nukes in space so that we're spending our time and our money allowing them to spy on us so they can keep the dissident population in this country down. The 702 capabilities are keeping, you know, they're supposedly keeping fentanyl from coming over the border. That was the claim that uh, Merrick Garland made. Are you guys seeing any evidence of that? I don't. It seems to me more that what they are really interested in doing is using an old foe that is no longer a threat to justify keeping the threat at home, at bay, 
and try to perpetuate and try to re-swing us back to that endless war. That is the disruption, by the way, of of the Donald Trump pregnancy, uh, uh, presidency. Pregnancy. Good God. We're not libs here. We don't think men can do that. Yeah, there, there is something really inherently dangerous about someone coming in and being part of a new guard and a new world order of, and I use that word with law lowercase, a new order that says we don't need permanent conflict and we don't need to have these wars over and over again. It's not necessary for me to be able to do what I want to do, which is deal with America. And that's why America First probably is fundamentally the opposite of what these folks want when they're sending $95 billion to countries that are not the United States. The, the apparatus that's existed for the last like almost 100 years in the United States, the, the military-industrial complex coming out of the 50s and the, and the government control apparatus, it all needs to be there in order to fuel sort of the status quo. And so neocons are status quo. They're currently trying to regain a balance, which it does seem like, for better or for worse, and for you know dislike of uh, the, the, the human being that he is, because he does some pretty unlikable things, and, he, and he's not the best messenger in the world. But Donald Trump disrupted that apple cart. Everything was going along smoothly. We didn't see a massive change. In fact, we saw a lot of the same policies and that it makes more sense to me looking backwards at it. It also makes sense that they would use fear-mongering tactics that they have to now recycle. It always made me confused that we would see, like, when are we going to see the acid rain again? Are we going to see another hole in the ozone layer? Do you guys remember anybody who, who was uh, old enough to be aware in the 70s and the 80s, would hear all of these like scary, scary things. And all of them, the end result of all of them, by the way, which it didn't occur to me at the time, was just give us more control. It's the unfalsifiable premise of if we just had more laws and more power and more control over you, then we could, we could, we could move the needle. We could make it all work. We could finally get to that, uh, that place. Kind of reminds me of this. I think this is, uh, I didn't mark this, but I'm fairly confident that this is the, the answer to all that stuff. It's a big club, and you ain't in it. It's a big club, and you ain't in it. It is a big club, George Carlin. Some of the stuff uh, George Carlin said I wasn't a huge fan of. I listened to that, that whole comedy routine to catch that. But yeah, big club. And the club all seems to be buddies with each other, and they all seem to have gone to the same schools, and they all seem to have the same ideas, and all those ideas seem to be really bad for you, the regular people, and that's why you have Janet Yellen out there telling us that we're all doing great. We're all doing great. The American workers are fine. How many American workers does she even know or meet with? Probably not very many. Um, folks that do get it, only because I talk to them all the time and I get it, I want to say thanks to my buddies at Catholic Vote. Folks, they bring this podcast to us. They are the underwriting sponsor. They are probably our single bigger sponsor, but they're also uh, ideologically aligned with everything that we're doing in the fight for faith and family and freedom. They are supporting Donald Trump for president right now. They've gotten on that, that wagon and they are hitched up to it. And they are also doing some pretty good stuff in the loop. Definitely worth your time. If you are not getting the loop, you currently can get the loop by going to catholicvote.org, putting in your email address and signing up for it. One of the really good articles today, you have to scroll about halfway down in the loop. Um, the Catholic Vote Explainer, they have a, a little article entitled Biden DOJ using the KKK Act to round up pro-lifers. Yet another one of those old scary tools being used to go after something in a new way. It's just targeting people who want to do what? First Amendment protected activities to protest against babies being killed, like we talked about earlier this week. Good article, worth your time. If you're not currently getting it, you can go to catholicvote.org and you can always donate to them if you so choose. You can also do slash get the loop and you will be able to get the loop. Um, but if you land on their homepage, you can just type in your email right there. Really a great, really a great article and, uh, and a bunch of really good coverage if you're not getting it currently. I got one more thing only because we are committed to it. And uh, we'd be foolish not to keep sharing this stuff. I want you all to know that we're going to keep following the January 6th story because it's one of the really good cracks in the dam. It's a good crack in sort of the uh, the political narrative that is almost always unbroken, that we rarely get anybody so doggedly, determinedly going to crack into and, and, and pull things away. And it took not the FBI and not the NSA, not the intelligence apparatus to break this case. It's going to continually be broken, just like those chisels going into the Berlin Wall by a guy named Steve Baker, who is my friend and who is a great journalist. Um, not that he wanted to be a journalist. He didn't choose this life. He wanted to be a musician, spent a bunch of his time doing that. This is something that he's got going on right now. You're seeing the Blaze Media covering this. Uh, late yesterday, they released Capitol Police turned cameras away from the DNC pipe bomb probe. Media... 
uh, Blaze Media investigative journalist explains what they failed to hide. I'm going to show you the video only because uh, the more people that see this, the better. And some of you are not uh, keeping track of the Blaze's videos. Let's show the Blaze video. This narrated by my friend Steve Baker. Guys, this is the, the lead up and there's more. There's even more of this. But this is the lead up to, uh, he talked about it the other day. They turned two of the three cameras away and we're going to finish that sort of thought and then there are even more to be released about how they eventually evacuated Kamala Harris. I think it's also relevant. Let's watch this quick video of Steve and uh, get a little taste. As we've already shown you, camera numbers 3173 and 8020 were both turned and panned hard away from the investigation scene at almost a 90 degree angle. But there was another camera and this particular camera is one they really didn't want you to see. We received a tip from a senior congressional aide who told us to go look at this particular camera and see what we could see. Well, we did just that. When we saw camera number 4205, we saw that it was zooming around and panning just like the other cameras were. And finally, it came and settled on a particular scene, probably then ignored by whoever the camera operator was because it never returns to its original position for the rest of the day. But just on the far left edge of the screen, we can now show you the robot extending the water cannon and boom. Now that you've seen the bomb being destroyed, it wasn't actually detonated. As a matter of fact, this water cannon is a disruptor and it fires a very high velocity, almost like a shotgun shell round of water or other type of liquid meant to disrupt the circuits and also whatever the explosive materials are inside the device. So what we're witnessing here is one of two things. Either the water cannon did its job perfectly as designed, and it is very reliable, or we're looking at an inert device. Maybe both. There's more, a lot more coming from this camera. To be perfectly honest with you, there were powerful forces that did not want this footage to be given to us. As a matter of fact, we didn't even have it until last night. There's a lot more to show you from camera 4205, even the evacuation of then Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. Stay tuned to Blaze Media. All right, and I want to give Blaze Media full credit for, for supporting my buddy Steve and putting this stuff out there. The reason we're sharing it is because you need to be able to see this. Yeah, there were people walking right by where that thing happened within easily within what would have been a blast di distance of a real explosive device. This is brand new as of last night. The story is going to keep evolving. It's super important that we continue to support guys like Steve. So if you guys have thought about a subscription somewhere and you're thinking about the blaze, Steve Baker is a one man argument for doing that. If you're interested in it, of course, you get Glenn Beck and some of the other stuff over there. And there's some nice people, Sarah Gonzalez, I've talked to as well. The fact is, is that they've backed this story and this story is critical. It's absolutely critical to showing that is not a classified technique that they're using on that bomb. We should use the, the air quotes for bomb. Really bizarre. Stay tuned and uh, follow Steve Baker. It's at TPC4USA. Uh, Tango, Papa, Charlie, the number four, USA. Make sure you're following him on social media. Guys, if you're either on uh, True Social or if you're on Twitter, do that. You can follow him on all those places. Make sure that uh, his voice is not going away. And of course, he's still under threat of being arrested. This guy who's doing the real investigation about this so-called pipe bomb. Why do they turn the cameras away? There were three cameras. Why do they turn all of them except that one? And he managed to catch it. And he's just following it down. Pretty good stuff. There's some more coming. We're working in the background. We'll keep it going. Uh, I want to I want to do a palate cleanser because it's been kind of, that's a little heavy. A lot of this stuff is heavy and it's not all bad. This comes from 1988, that time of hope, that time right as the uh, Soviet Union was beginning to crumble. This is a song from 1988, but this is a video from this year. And uh, it reminds me, it's not a dad joke per se, but what it reminds me of is uh, when dads tell their adult kids to go be productive and uh, they act like our favorite kind of morons. These, these guys have all the vibe of like a Jack Black or of a Wayne's World, kind of that Gen X slacker move. I kind of love it. And also their talent is pretty good too. So this is something you guys will sh should enjoy. And uh, just a little taste, a little musical interlude from 1988. It's a cover of Sweet Child of Mine, which was a love song 
actually written for his future wife of nine months, <laughs> Axl Rose, put this song together. So fitting the day after Valentine's Day. Let's have a little taste of it. If you guys are listening, you're like, okay, so what? So someone did a cover. They did a cover. It's a four-man operation. Two boys with guitars or young men with guitars. They're wearing uh, salad bowls on their heads. And then two singers in the background carrying water bottles that are empty. They're like uh, Ozarka bottles or something. And they're beating on the salad bowls, keeping the beat. So that drumming sound is actually coming through somebody's head wearing a bowl. And uh, I just love it. I don't know. I just love talent. That's classic American talent, just giving it to us. Folks, if you've enjoyed what you're watching today, make sure you've subscribed. Make sure you have followed the channel here on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. If you're watching anywhere else, um, make sure you're following my buddy, Steve Baker. We do really appreciate all of you. We appreciate Rumble giving us a platform for free speech to say what it is that we choose, what we like. And um, we'll do a little bit of Black History Month here because it is the middle of February and we're just saying, hey, can we get rid of the Black History Month thing? Can we stop the division? Can we stop the Cold War? Can we stop all this stuff? This seems like it's all meant to divide us. I'd rather that not be the case. You're going to relegate my history to a month? I don't want a Black History Month. Black history is American history. How are we going to get rid of racism? Until... Stop talking about it. I'm going to stop calling you a white man. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you to stop calling me a black man. That's it. And before you guys leave, make sure you are checking out my buddy Garrett O'Boyle's sweatshop. It's the-suspendables.com. Don't forget the dash between the and suspendables. The-suspendables.com. You can use the promo code Kyle, which will save you, I think, 10% there as well. You can see a theme here, right? It's uh, it's a small amount of money, and it's a small word. It's just my name, K-Y-L-E. Go to the-suspendables.com. You guys can see I'm actually wearing a version of that shirt right now. Got the Night Ops version of it. I love that shirt. I love the AR pattern that he came up with. It is the uh, the emblem for the Last Line Substack, which is Garrett's side project where he does some writing. You guys can support him. You can support the Suspendables. You can support some of the merch if you are so inclined by simply going to the website and picking it out. And also, you can still get three of those pins for lapels. That gives you one for you, one for you, and one for someone that you meet. And uh, it's 30 bucks. I think the shipping's free on those too. So go ahead and go to the-suspendables.com. Thanks to uh, Jen Chang for throwing it in the chat. Thanks, Rose, for throwing the other ones in the chat. Support the O'Boyle family sweatshop. Keep them working. It's good for them. It gives him something to do. I don't know what else he does. I know he's on AMRAD. So you guys can check out the American Radicals podcast, which is coming up at noon Eastern time. Don't forget about that. And uh, let's do a five-star review because this is all about what you guys like and why you're here. This is from, uh, I think it's Bill Me Later Today. That's a clever name. Bill Me Letter Today says, Kyle informs five stars. Love the way Kyle calmly tells you what's going on. First heard him on Bongino and have been listening ever since. Uh, Bill Me Later Today, the thing that I think is most interesting is that you didn't use any punctuation, and that is very difficult for me to try to decipher live on air, but we've done it anyway. We appreciate all of you. Thanks for joining us for the Kyle Serafin Show. We will see you again tomorrow with a friendly Friday, and you can catch Steve on American Radicals. It's AmRadPod. If you guys are on Rumble, you guys can look for AmRadPod. If you're on X, you can find them at AmRadPod as well. A-M-R-A-D-P-O-D. Check them out. Like I said, just a couple hours away. And uh, we'll see you again. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live weekdays on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter, Truth Social, and Instagram at Kyle Serafin.